everybody. How's it going? It's so bright. I haven't been up here in a long time because, because we haven't been doing youth services in so long with the new small group situation. So it's really blinky blinky up here. Yeah, I'm like Beatrice. We call her blinky blinky because she blinks so much. All right. Well, it's great to be at Young Life tonight. Um, I want to uh, just get started by saying that uh, this is probably my, uh, my, from a realistic standpoint, this is probably my last time speaking to Young Life for, for probably for probably a minute or so. I'm just a few weeks away from uh, having little Lyra, so I would, I, from what I understand, that's going to take up a lot of my time and energy and and uh, physical, you know, strength, ability to do things like, you know, get up, eat breakfast. You know, it, it really takes a toll on you from what I hear. So it might, it might be a minute before I speak again. So I wanted to talk about something that's been on my heart since statewide back in March. Um, many of you, many of you were there. Jason in particular comes to mind because the story I'm about to tell happened when I was standing next to Jason. So as you guys know, camps and statewide, everything that happens up in Tioga, we always go there, have an amazing time. There's always an amazing move of God. And uh, this year, um, statewide was doing the music, and they just brought it. And they did a few songs I'd never heard before. One of them was, uh, was Breakthrough by Eddie James, which uh, we now know is actually Grapefruit by Eddie James if you saw the video last week, and uh, man, that song, that song just got to me, I was so excited, and, and then in the middle of the verse, Jason, Jason, they repeated the verse again, and Jason came over to me and Brennan and said, they just said, when my enemies came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell, that's really distracting, so I vividly remember Jason also being impacted by that song, and I was like, whatever, man, this is an awesome song. I'm pumped. And so the chorus rolls around, and especially that bridge, breakthrough in my heart, breakthrough. And, and man, Jemire's like up front. Jemire and Seth were up front going crazy. And I was like, yes, I'm going to jump. I'm going to worship. I'm, like, I just, I'm about to explode. This is so awesome. And so I started trying to worship. I started trying to participate, to physically express what I was feeling on the inside, on the outside. And I found myself coughing and wheezing and dying and getting cramps and leaning over and just feeling like I was about to pass out. And I was so shocked by, by my physical inability to respond in worship. And then I was shocked by the wave of emotion that came when I realized, oh, my gosh, I can't, I can't really worship like I want to because of this, this baby. I can't move the same anymore. And I got so sad. In case you guys didn't know, I was very sad at statewide when I realized and I had the revelation. I can't move like I used to. And that includes in worship. And, and honestly, like if I'm gonna if, if I'm gonna be real with you guys, I I came home the next day <laughs> and I loved breakthrough so much and I turned it on in my car and I'm like driving around town and I'm like, whoa, this is an awesome song. And I'm like all pumped. And I don't know, maybe it's the, the hormones that come with pregnancy, but I just, suddenly I was so sad again. I was like, I can't 
worship. And I boohooed in my car, driving around listening to Breakthrough, like, whoa, when will I ever be able to worship again? I was so sad that I couldn't, I couldn't respond to, to the Lord's presence the way I was feeling in my heart. And so it really got me thinking about worship and really thinking about how important it is, how much I love it, how passionate I am about it. How, how much it's, it's just highlighted and pushed in the Bible. And so I want to just talk to you guys tonight really briefly on the call to worship. The call to worship. So before we get started, let's just say a word of prayer and jump right into it. Lord Jesus, we welcomed your presence into this house already. But once more, we invite you to invade this space, to have your way in this house. Touch every heart in this place, Lord Jesus. Let us all be open to receiving the word that you have for us tonight. Touch my mouth, Lord Jesus. Help me to deliver the words that I feel you've laid on my heart and have your way in this place tonight. In Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. So throughout scripture, we see descriptions of physical actions that honor God accompanied by the word worship. Here at LifePoint, in case you haven't noticed, in case you didn't uh, have your eyes open tonight, you may have... uh, seeing some very, very blatantly observable uh, physical actions of, physical acts of worship. Let's say like singing, dancing, Austin and Jemeyer, clapping, uh, raising hands, all, all that, all that stuff. Even occasionally we have, we have, very occasionally, we have an aisle runner. You know, we have someone who gets real excited and just takes off running. Uh, if some of you were here um, maybe a month or so back, we had a, what, what do you call one of those things, a praise train? A victory, a victory march. Yeah, we had a victory march. Uh, yeah, we marched around the Jericho of, of this church, if you will. It was, it was really cool. So we have some really obvious physical acts of worship that happen here. And I grew up around this, this kind of thing. I grew up in this, in this style of church and with this style of worship. But it really wasn't until I was about 12 years old that I myself became comfortable in participating in this kind of worship myself. Some of you here tonight are right around 12 years old, and I am watching some of you develop your, your little worship wings, and it's, it's really amazing to see. Uh, Jemire usually sits over here, and I usually sing or play piano over here, and like Jemire's like, he pumps me up. He gets me worshiping. I don't mean to embarrass you, buddy, but, man, he worships like he's the only person in the room. It's so cool to watch. So I was about Jemire's age when I started experimenting with worshiping physically, with expressing myself physically. And I remember how it started. I was, uh, I was allowed, I was, we were at Lee Road at the time. My family was living in Lee Road. And I was allowed to join the youth group a year early because, I, you see, I had no older brother and I didn't want to be parted from my brother. We just moved there and, and you know, blah, blah, blah. So they said, you know, she can come to youth service with her brother. And I remember there was this girl named Candace. She was an older girl in the youth group, maybe six or so years older than me. And she just worshipped like nobody was watching. She had this little dance. She did this like sidestep thing like this. And she she just, it just like fascinated me. Because I was at that age where I was beginning to mature spiritually and I was beginning to want to, to express these things I was feeling in my heart when I would, when I would just be in the presence of God. And, and so I saw her and I would actually mimic her. I would literally stand there like this, like watching her and moving like her, not to make fun of her, but 
it, it appeared like she was truly worshiping. She was lost in worship and she was really expressing herself. And I wanted to do the same. So I just, I did what Candace did. And during this season of my life, I was able to kind of find my own niche, find my own way of doing things. And I was able to enter into a freedom in Christ that even in spite of struggles and hard times since then, I've never lost that freedom. Like I never, I never went backwards. Like I broke through something spiritually at that time in my life. I entered a freedom that I have never lost. And since then, God's just called me higher and higher and higher in that freedom. It's really been amazing. Now, that was only 13 years ago for me. And like me, many of you guys here tonight, you're closer to the beginning of your life as a worshiper than to the end of it, God willing. <laughs> and we all, you know, womp, womp, sorry about that. And we're all at our own unique different levels. We are. Some of us here are new. We are, we're just now coming around. Others, you've been here for years, and you are a volunteer in multiple ministries at LifePoint. Some of us are, you know, let's say unashamed. Let's say we're completely and utterly unashamed in worship. Walk up all the way to the altar in the middle of any given song. If you're feeling it, throw your hands up, cry, dance, you know, smile, laugh. Just just don't care who's watching. You just express yourself 200% in worship. And then there's some of us who are a little more, you know, like we need a little more, uh, you know, encouragement. And we need need, uh, Wesley to say, put your hands together. We need Alexander to say, sing this verse with me. We need need a little bit of encouragement maybe from the worship leader. Or maybe some of us need to get emotionally worked up enough before... Like we kind of work ourselves up into a froth before we can, okay, I'm going to raise my hands. Like we have to be there emotionally or we can't really tap in. Some of us are there. And some of us here have been filled with the Holy Ghost. Others of us here, we're still seeking it. We have a relationship with Jesus. We pray, but we're still, we're still trying to get to that point where we're, we've been filled with his Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We also have a very diverse range of personalities here. We have some very extroverted people who, you may argue, find it a little easier to, to worship, it, like, like very openly. We have some more introverted people who may find it a little more difficult. And then you've got people who are introverted or extroverted, and they're like the opposite way of what I just said. So you've got all these personalities that say, you know, I'm more comfortable with this, or I'm, I'm not comfortable doing that. So we've got all these different people at different levels in their walk with God, and we've got all these different people with a wide variety of personalities. There's so much difference that we don't need to take an anecdotal look at, at each of us, uh, at, like each individual. We need to take a look at scripture to understand what answering God's call to worship is supposed to look like. So not looking at each other, not looking at ourselves and what we're comfortable with, but looking at the word. The Bible reiterates repeatedly that God's top priority is not what is seen physically, but what's happening on the inside. Jason, were you able to get those scriptures? We got 1 Samuel 16, 7. This is uh, when uh, 
when David was anointed king. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We got Proverbs 4.23. You do not delight in sacrifice. I'm sorry. What's that? That one was fine. I'm going to read all those right in a row. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And then we've got uh, Psalms 51, 16 and 17. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. In Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. So we see that God cares the most about the state of our hearts. That is the top priority above all else. So, but here's the deal. So long as you're living a double life of secret sin, it doesn't matter if you're the most extravagant worshiper in the room. You need to get your heart right with God. That's what he's looking at more than you lifting your hands, more than you dancing, more than you singing, more than you clapping. He cares about the motive behind it. And that really, at the end of the day, is between you and God. But in order to be considered a true worshiper, some of us have some secret sins that we need to take care of. And if that's you tonight, know that God is longing to make things right with you. He's longing for you to repent. He's longing to forgive you and help you overcome those sins, overcome those temptations, and become a true worshiper. He's, over, he, he's longing to help you overcome and to have a pure heart behind that extravagant worship that you may do very easily. Now, Jesus taught us that what's on the inside will eventually show up on the outside. So as much as our hearts are our private business between us and the Lord, sometimes we can't help but reveal the state of our heart. Uh, Jason, do you have Luke six forty three? No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, let's, let's pause that for just a second. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other words, you are what you eat, right? What's on the inside shows up on the outside eventually. It might take some time before people realize you have a problem with A, B, or C. In fact, People might never try and go pick figs off of a thorn bush, so they might not realize that that's the fruit hanging off of the tree. But what's on the inside does show up on the outside. It does. As much as we try sometimes to hide our spiritual temperature, your actions are a thermometer that puts the state of your heart on display for anyone who wants to look hard enough and closely enough. Do you keep his commands? Do you keep his commands when nobody's watching? Jesus goes on to say, and Jason, we don't have to throw the scriptures up there, but Jesus goes on to tell the, the parable of the wise man and the foolish man with the house built on the rock and the house built on the sand. And he says, he says basically, if, if, you don't, if you love me, then why don't you keep my commands? The wise man builds his house on the, on the rock that's my word. The wise man is obedient. He is obedient. He acts on the word. He doesn't just feel emotions about the word. 
He acts on it. Let's put this in perspective. If you have ever dated someone or if you plan on dating someone one day, you know that you didn't get into that relationship just by feeling feelings in your heart. At some point, you had to act on the state of your heart or lose that relationship. Let's just take Tyler and Tori, for example. Their wedding would not be in the works right now if Tyler would not have gone out and bought that ring and asked her specifically what ring she wanted because we know she would have said no if it would have been a different ring. Right, absolutely. They would not be engaged to be married right now if he would not have acted on those feelings of love in his heart. It's just logical. The idea that worship is solely an experience within yourself is inaccurate. It is not just about these feelings in your heart. Also, the idea that worship is just this emotional frenzy that you get worked up to during music at church, that's also inaccurate. There has to be a balance. Worship is obedience to God's word, inspired by his overwhelming, relentless love and pursuit of us and the mercy and forgiveness that he's given us that we don't deserve. That's what worship is. Worship is a reaction to what Jesus has done. That's what it is. It's an actual acceptance in your heart that, like, where, where, you, where you have had that revelation, Jesus really lived and he really died for me. He really filled me with the Holy Ghost. He really forgave me when I went down in the waters of baptism. It's an acceptance that all of that is real. Then you feel those feelings. Some days you don't always feel those feelings, but at some point you have because you've accepted in your heart what Jesus has done. You've acknowledged it. You've decided to follow him. And so worship is a reaction to what he's done, what the word says he's done. It's, it's obedience to the commands again and again and again in the word to worship him for what he's done, to honor him for what he's done. My reaction to his sacrifice on the cross is my willingness to obey his mandate, to worship him, even if I don't always feel like it, and even if I am uncomfortable expressing myself extravagantly. Worship is a command. It is a mandate. It is not feelings. Feelings usually come along with it, especially in music. We are emotive creatures. The Lord created music. It is an emotional thing. Some of us don't respond very emotionally to music. But overwhelmingly in, human, in humanity, we respond emotionally to music. So there is an emotional side to worship. But there are days, there are mornings when you overslept and you're running late to church and you and uh, your friend maybe argued on your way to church or you and your significant other or you and your mom or you and your dad, you and your sister, you and your brother, or maybe you had a bad week the, the, the all week before. Whatever the case, you come to church, you don't feel like worshiping. And yet you obey that mandate anyway. So this, throughout the Psalms, the longest book in the Bible is a book of Psalms, a book of songs. And they're all worship songs. They're all worship songs. And they say things like clap your hands, shout unto God with a voice of triumph, sing with a loud voice, praise him on 
insert pretty much any instrument that has ever existed here. Praise him with this instrument. Praise him with that instrument. These are commands. These are commands that we are required to obey even when we don't feel like it, even when we're uncomfortable, even when the band messes up and it's distracting, even when you're not in the best mood. It is a command to obey. God has been challenging life point lately. If you've been if you've been around, you may have noticed that God's been challenging life point lately. Our worship has been going to another level. And when he's challenged this church as a whole, that means he's challenged young life too. He's challenged the junior high of this church, he's challenged the high school of this church, and he's challenged the young adult hyphens of this church. He's challenging every single one of us to go deeper in worship. That means he's challenging you specifically. How are you going to answer this call to worship? How are you going to answer it? I challenge you to answer it extravagantly. There's um, a story in uh, the New Testament. Uh, Jesus, Jesus was uh, having dinner at this guy's house, this rich, rich, fancy guy's house. And, and uh, word got around town where he was. And... This uh, woman, woman of ill repute, she had, a, she had a bad rap. This woman of ill repute, she, she came to the house and she brought a jar of perfume that was worth a year of salary. And she, she broke it on his feet. Now, you guys got to understand like, I, I fell into, I, I, I went to the Middle East earlier this year and I, I walked with sandals on to to a mall a mile from the house where we were staying and I sunk it, the rain when it's muddy like the rain doesn't go away like there's nowhere for it to flow like it just sits in the sand and I sunk into a sand pit on the side of the road trying to walk to this mall my feet have arguably never been filthier it was it was horrible the 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 middle east when you walk around in sandals, which is what these people, what Jesus most likely did, the, the Middle East is, is a very dirty place as far as feet are concerned. And Jesus said specifically that when he went to this guy's house, that he didn't have his servants wash his feet off. And so you've got to understand, this is, this is the, the olden days, right? This is ancient times. His feet were not just dirty like, like my clean, smooth American feet sinking into the mud on the side of a paved Middle Eastern road. Like, his feet were, were extra grody. They were extra nasty. And here she takes a year worth of money and just pours it out on his feet. And she begins to cry. And she begins to wash her feet with, his, with her hair. And Jesus said that what she had done was an extravagant act of worship. It was an extravagant act of worship and that people would talk about her for the rest of eternity for what she'd done. So how do we answer the call to worship? Let's answer it like her. Unnecessary, over the top, unexpected, wasteful. Waste yourself in worship. Worship till you are physically tired. Do it because he's good. Do it because he commanded us to. Do it because he loves you. Do it because he's the reason that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. Give him everything. Go there and worship. And go there, and let me just tell you something. 
You don't have to go into it expecting him to do anything for you, but let me tell you, he will. Go there, and you'll see him break generational curses in your life. You think, you think, I have this sin, I have this thing I struggle with, and my mom struggles with it, and my grandma struggles with it. And, and you know what, like I, I know my great-grandma, she's still living, and she struggled with it too. I'll probably always struggle with this too. God can break that sin in your life. God can restore that broken relationship with a parent or a sibling that you thought would never be repaired. God can restore, he can heal mental illnesses that are completely incurable with modern medicine. He can do anything, and he will do amazing, miraculous things in your life, but sometimes what it takes is bowing the knee and saying, I'm going to worship him extravagantly. I'm going to turn my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to give him everything I have, even if it's just in the middle of a song about, you know, we've come to praise him. I'm going to praise him with everything I have. And you know what? I particularly want to challenge the young adults in this room. You guys are my peers. I'm only 25. We're all the same age. We're all around the same age. And let me just say this. From experience, when I was 12, first learning how to worship, when I was at that point, it was so new and so fresh, and I was so passionate, and it was so exciting to, to lift my hands for the first few times and to dance for the first few, to go to youth camp and to dance with all my friends at the altar. That was amazing. There was nothing like it. It was so exciting, and many of you started worshiping around that same age. It's been a while, and it's not as exciting anymore. And it's not, it's not as new anymore. It's not as fresh anymore. And I want to challenge you, young adults, my peers, I want to challenge you, push yourself. When you don't feel like it, when you're exhausted because you stayed up all night studying for an exam or you worked a late night, worship him anyway. Push yourself out of your box. Walk up to the front with some of these junior high and high school students who come up here and worship like nobody else is watching because they're just now learning how to do this challenge yourself. Go to that next level. Don't stagnate in adulthood because let me just tell you, it's not going to stay the same. It's going to decline. If you're not constantly pushing yourself to stay in that, that just that refreshing time of worship, that, that newness, that freshness, if you're not challenging yourself to go there, then, then, then you're going to lose it. You will. You're going to lose it. Always be pushing yourself. If we could all stand, Alexander, if you could, if you could come play. Tonight, um, like, I, like I told you guys at the beginning, this is just real simple and to the point. I've just been, I've had worship on my heart. I've had worship on my mind. I, I've, I, I've just, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's, it's what we're, we were created for. It's why we're here. And some of us have the whole, the whole state of our heart thing down, right? We, we have a pretty healthy relationship with Jesus. But some of us know that we could go deeper. We could go further. We could push ourselves more in the realm of worship, even when we're alone or when we're here at church. And some of us, some of us have no problem worshiping. Some of us in this room tonight, it's very easy for us. We can just, we're used to it. We can lock in and, and praise him and and we've let the state of our hearts decline. So I want us to all, uh, I want us to all, um, we're going to repent together.
just to just to kind of cover cover everyone all together. We're going to repent together for if any for letting the state of our hearts slip. We all do it. Some of us some of us are struggling more than others right now. But uh, we all we all need to refocus on the Lord. And then I want us to come up front and I just want us to all worship together. I want us to once again recommit to, to worshiping the Lord, to challenging ourselves, to pushing ourselves to be extravagant worshipers. I just want us to recommit to that and then just to worship together.